Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, produced by the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia. This is Jordan Rich. This podcast celebrates the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. Joining us on the podcast today is Rebecca Rowland. She's the author of The Art of Talking with Children, The Simple Keys to Nurturing Kindness, Creativity, and Confidence in Kids. Rebecca is a lecturer at the Harvard Graduate School of Education and serves on the faculty at Harvard Medical School. She's an oral and written language specialist in the neurology department at Boston Children's Hospital. And as a nationally certified speech-language pathologist, she's worked clinically with children from early childhood through high school and has even provided teacher professional development. Let's welcome Rebecca Rowland to Dyslexics Wanted. It's amazing that we have to have you write a book like this. You know, uh, let's just talk about the times we're living in, Rebecca, and the fact that there's so much isolation despite the quote-unquote connections we have available. Exactly. Yes, I think it's really actually a perfect storm of disconnection, unfortunately. And really, so many kids are just hungry for reconnecting, whether it's, you know, the pandemic, if it's two years of not being around friends as much, um, difficult news, et cetera. There's so much going on that kids really need support with. And so I think it's never been a more critical time to really focus on how to talk with them. And generationally, uh, the group of parents that are currently parents have grown up with this same kind of uh, syndrome, if you want to call it that, the same kind of uh, connected to your phone and not necessarily connected to your neighbor philosophy. Definitely. Yes. I think we do oftentimes think that we're talking a lot because we do have a lot of words. There are many tweets, you know, there's lots of communication happening, but really thinking about, well, how meaningful, how purposeful is that communication? Uh, You know, it's often not as much as we think. I'd love you to sort of overview the book with me just briefly because it's huge. I mean that in a very good way. There's so much information packed in here and great tips and Uh, It's very understandable and very readable, but just review for the audience what the book basically covers. And then I want to hone in on how this can directly impact those with the dyslexia and learning disabilities and their friends and peers. Definitely. Yeah. So the book actually is kind of a combination memoir and guidebook. So it draws from my life as a mother of two children, but also I'm a speech pathologist and lecturer at Harvard. Um, And I've worked in clinics and hospitals and schools with families and with children all the way from toddler age through young adults. So this book is really giving an overview both from my own life, um, kind of anecdotes, and then also the latest research in terms of what we know about the power of conversation to help kids. And let me just say, Rebecca, readers will appreciate the fact that you are as human as the rest of us. (laughs) Exactly. That was the idea. So I really do emphasize that it's not always that easy. And I myself, (laughs) you know, I've had my own challenges. There are a lot of really wonderful chapters on all kinds of things, but I wanted to focus on something that uh, is basically talked about in the subtitle. The Simple Ways to Nurturing Kindness, Creativity, and Confidence in Kids. All of us need that, but those whom we're directing this podcast to, this audience, the dyslexic world, particularly in need of this kind of attention, don't you think? Definitely, yes. In my own work, I've seen and worked with so many kids, oftentimes who've had dyslexia for many years, that's been either misdiagnosed or gone undiagnosed. Um, And it's created so many emotional difficulties for them often and really impacted their self-esteem and the way they feel about themselves um, because they don't know why they're having so many troubles, you know, and they don't know kind of what's wrong with them, quote unquote, you know? And so really understanding more about how they're learning, how their minds are working, 
is so much more powerful than simply saying, you know, there's something that's hard for me and I don't know why. This offers a guide to parents who have been frustrated and to maybe teachers who are not trained in dealing with these kinds of kids as much as, say, special needs teachers. Um, Let's talk about what parents can learn from the research you've done and the work you've done and the book that's provided. What can they learn about in terms of their dyslexic children? Yeah, so I think one thing that's so key is that to really understand and sit with a child, to talk with them, gives so much information about how a child's thinking. So not only their learning processes, but even how they're feeling about themselves, how they're thinking about their challenges, and really helping them set goals for themselves um, in a way that's actionable and that actually can help them make everything that's hard feel more manageable. Mm -hmm. So raising self-awareness is so critical. What about icebreakers? We always hear about that with adults in conversation. Uh, I have to find something to talk about with this stranger, this business acquaintance, or this potential date. What about with kids breaking the ice? Yes. I mean, I think there are definitely ways of doing that. It can be um, something that, you know, you have as a starter. You know, some have used things like, what's your superpower or things like that, you know, something that's just gets kids thinking a little bit out of their normal boxes. Um, It doesn't have to be. So sometimes I start with even noticing you know, if a child has a glittery shirt or if a child is, you know, carrying something, um, oftentimes that's something that's very important to them. So I tend to start there. You have a lot of information about conversational habits, I noticed. And we all have them if you start and think and examine your own day-to-day yes. activities. Um, what can we learn from habits and how we can adjust them and change them in terms of talking to kids? Yes. Well, that's one thing I would really emphasize is just that we all have our own habits and they all are slightly different. So actually just taking the time to notice uh, what your habits are in terms of whether they support conversations and openness or whether they unintentionally maybe shut things down. Um, For example, uh, some people have the tendency to end lots of questions with right or yes, you know, as if um, the answer is already implicit. So we had a really good time, right? Or, you know, this is really fun, wasn't it? You know, that kind of thing. So it's not that those things are quote unquote bad, but that having that tendency over time can feel as if the other person doesn't, you know, get their full thought said. I love your take on rich talk, nothing to do with the host of this podcast, Jordan Rich, but rich talk, I'm kidding, it has a lot to do with it. It's, it's not just the amount of words, but it's the the context that matters, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So the idea is that it's really this purposeful or more meaningful conversation where you're adapting to a child's needs. You're having more of a back and forth with the child and you're really focusing on what's on the child's mind. So that those kind of three elements being bound together as leading towards a more purposeful or meaningful conversation. Chapter four in this wonderful book is entitled Conversations for Confidence and Independence, Encouraging Your Child to Embrace Challenges. Here we meet directly the the need to address the dyslexic community and anyone else who's dealing with any kind of, shall we say, challenge. I'll just use that term. Uh, What are some of the really fine ways to do this, practical ways for parents to instill confidence with kids who are dealing with this fright and deal dealing with this stress? Yeah, so one thing I think to keep in mind is that children really often do want to help. So they want to be part of a community. They want to contribute. Um, and so to help children find whatever way that is to contribute to their communities, if it's you know their family community, their school community, and so on, is such a powerful way to instill confidence in kids. So not just kind of empty words of saying, you know, 
great job, you did a wonderful thing, but actually to help them figure out what they can do to contribute. Um, Yeah. One of the most frustrating things has to be for any child who's a loner, and that's a lot of us, I'll put myself in that category even when I was growing up, is just go out and make friends. You know, there are lots of people. You should hang with people, get to know people, etc. Not an easy thing to do if you're not inclined to do that. What's your suggestion? I know there's more detail in the book, but your suggestion for for those kids who are feeling alone because of their learning issues, how would you help them? Yeah, so I would say that always start where the child is. So mm-hmm. it probably doesn't make a lot of sense for either you or for the child to say, you know, go out, meet lots of people, you know, just in general. So that's going to feel like a big step and kind of maybe impossible for a child. So think about smaller steps and think about what your child already likes or is good at. So maybe they are already like a certain activity. They can meet someone there and start small, maybe meet one person, you know, make these goals that are actually achievable. One thing that I've noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed this as well in your uh, mixing it up with colleagues, that sometimes adults talk to children as though they're fellow adults. We kind of forget. I'm always amused when kids call their adults parents by their first names. I, I hope yeah. that, that may be the case in your house. I'm not casting any person. I prefer a mom and dad if that's, that's okay. Yeah. That's uh, what I usually get. But. But, but remembering who your audience is is a key, isn't it? It is. And it's actually funny that you say that because I find a lot of adults fall into two camps. So we tend to either talk to children as if they're adults or fall on the other extreme and talk to children as if they're really little. You know, even if they're, uh, you know, if they're four or five, we talk to them as if they don't really have any thoughts or questions or things, you know, that we're just kind of doing all the talking for them. So I think to, you know, whatever you fall, I think to really think about the fact that, you know, what are children interested in looking at their level is so important. We're talking with uh, Rebecca Rowland, The Art of Talking with Children, The Simple Keys to Nurturing Kindness, Creativity, and Confidence in Kids. And this applies to children of all types, of all ages, and certainly the population that we cater to here in Dyslexics Wanted. Dyslexics are often, as you know, as a professional, some of the most gifted people and the most creative people. So they've got this already. It's just getting a chance to talk about it. So let's apply what you talk about in this book, which is so helpful and practical, to uh, children who don't have a learning disability, children who don't have uh, any outward uh, issue. We all have issues, of course. Um, what can we talk to our kids about that? I mean, it's, if anything, then to, to tamp down on the bullying problem that we're having. Yeah, I think one thing that's so important and what my colleagues at Children's Hospital have talked about is thinking about all children as having a learning profile. So it's not that, you know, you have dyslexia and I am typical or you have this and I don't have it. Mm -hmm. You know, we all fall on a spectrum somewhere in our learning and things are, you know, we all have strengths in some areas and other areas that are weaker that we could grow in. So helping children who are who have dyslexia and then who don't have dyslexia helping all of them discover kind of where are their strengths and weaknesses lie and figuring out their sort of spectrum can really help in reducing that sense of, you know, either yes or no, you know, you have this diagnosis and I don't have it, you know, seeing that like, I'm really good at geometry, but statistics is really hard or, you know, this kind of thing. So even modeling that for students is so important. That's wonderful. And the same applies, I would imagine, to instructors, teachers, mentors who are not skilled in the in the area of, of professionally dealing with people with, let's say, learning disabilities, it's a good idea to understand how to approach children who are a bit more sensitive. 
Exactly. Yes. And I think to recognize always that we all have strengths. And even if, you know, say this particular area of reading is not a strength for you, you know, maybe even understanding what you read is a strength for you. So even helping kids unpack that reading rather than just say, oh, I'm not good at reading, you know, um, there may be areas that you are good at. So helping them find those as well is really important. There are so many takeaways from your work, but I'll just pick cherry pick a few. Uh, one is the three E's. I noticed that in one particular chapter. I'd love you to elucidate on that because I think it applies to everybody, but it could apply to our audience. The three E's, what are they? Definitely. So it starts with expand. So that just means taking what a child says and enlarging it, kind of extending it. Um, so a child says green truck and you might say, oh, yes, that is a green truck. Or, you know, the child says, I'm sad. You could say, well, you know, what if, let's look at, you know, do you feel just sad? Do you feel anxious? So on. Um, second is to explore, meaning to get beyond the here and now. Talking about the past, the future, making predictions. And that's so important in learning, but even in raising self-awareness. And third being evaluate. Um, so that means looking at the learning process, looking at thinking process, and really thinking about your own thinking. Um, that doesn't mean in a critical way, but just in a way that raises self-awareness. One of the takeaways, too, for me, and I, I think just as a student of the world and a man who listens a lot to people as I'm listening to you, <laughs> is the fact that words have so much power and strength and they can be power for good. They can be power for not so good. I am not a proponent of everything has to be so politically correct and so woke that we have to watch every word. But I think with parents and teachers and adults in general, and see if you agree, Words matter to kids maybe in more serious ways than they might matter to adults. Am I right, do you think? Definitely, yes. I think that sometimes we, you know, label kids without thinking about it especially. So, and, But kids can really take those labels to heart, and it can really inform not only how they think about themselves, but then how they act, which kind of reinforces that label. So I think that, you know, it's not just that words are words, but words lead into, you know, actions based on those words, which kind of form an identity after some point. I mean, we're seeing the, the outgrowth of mental health issues with the horrible shootings and other things, mostly affecting uh, young males who are alone and uh, going down this horrible rabbit hole of disease. That uh, uh, And this is the, the most serious aspect of it. But generally, we see a lot of people who are withdrawn, more so than ever. I think the pandemic only added to that. Yes, definitely. So I think that, you know, especially vulnerable people, we're seeing, you know, the pandemic seems to have exacerbated, you know, for people who are already at risk, for people who are already tending to be alone, or for people without as many resources to connect virtually and so on. I think it's been even harder. And so I think there's even more and more research coming out um, about how much more needs to be done. In all the interviews I've done, and there have been dozens and dozens on this podcast platform, and I love doing it, I, the, the takeaway, the consistent response is always, well, when I was a child, I felt alone. I felt, you know, uh, segregated. I felt apart. I didn't feel as though I was re uh, respected and uh, and welcomed into the classroom. But to a person, I would say, everybody I've talked to was able to overcome that. That's not to suggest, though, that everybody's that strong to overcome that and move through it. Exactly. I think the fact that you're, you know, speaking to these people is probably indication that they you know, we're able to get through it and, you know, to find, you know, some ways to communicate with others in a positive way. So I don't think we're always seeing those people. There are many people who are withdrawn, who aren't able to reach out, 
and who are not even sure how to reach out. So I think that reaching those people is especially key. The book is loaded with great information and wonderful tips. Can you leave us with a couple of your favorites? I know that's not easy when a book is so thick, but a couple of additional tips for parents, teachers, friends, adults, etc. Yes, I would say that, especially now, we just talked about mental health and um, things like that. And I think that mental health is a big, huge topic, but it really starts in an everyday back and forth moment to moment basis. So it's not to say that anyone will fix anxiety or depression or anything from you know a conversation, certainly not. Uh, but the fact is that every interaction is building towards either positivity or towards something that's more withdrawn. So if you can start even in really small ways with children, even who, who do seem shut down or who do seem like they're having challenges, it can be such a powerful way to just support them. Many ambassadors have cited the quote, when involved in negotiations, you negotiate, 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 you talk, 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 and if you don't get anywhere, you talk some more. <laughs> That's the old uh, adage. But it, when it comes to children, the, the value of communication is paramount, isn't it? Exactly. I think that the listening and active listening part is just so much, you know, under misunderstood, not necessarily focused on. And I think just to take a moment and say, take two minutes with a child and sit and listen to them. I think you would be amazed at what you hear. So uh, I think that's just an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Before we close out, I know you're very proud and you love your kids like nothing else. Tell me a little bit about your children, uh, how old yes, they are. I, and so forth. Yes, I have a 10 year old and a five year old. So a 10 year old girl and a five year old boy. Um, and they've just been, they're really funny together. So you can, <laughs> I put a lot of stories in the book because I do find it so it's challenging for sure, but yeah. it's very amusing to watch them grow. Um, the 10 year old has recently started coaching the five year old on how to swim since we had no swim coach. Um, so I think it's just been really funny to watch that kind of dynamic happen. I have a similar dynamic and my, my kids are grown, but I have an older daughter, younger son, and now I've got two granddaughters and I'll tell you, they're communicating with the granddaughters is it's like starting all over again but it's amazing and i think there's a joy and there's an uh, an uplift when when you really sit down and get to talk to children of any age and when they get older i've got good news for you rebecca i know you know this because you're a professional your kids will not talk to you for a little while when they're teenagers but they'll come back and never stop talking after that you are you are not only a, a great resource for anyone and we'll urge them to get the book thank you so much for joining us and good luck raising your two wonderful kids oh thank you thanks for having me We've been speaking with Rebecca Rowland, R-O-L-L-A-N-D, the author of The Art of Talking with Children, The Simple Keys to Nurturing Kindness, Creativity, and Confidence in Kids. Certainly a great help when we're dealing with children with dyslexia or other learning disabilities. A wonderful resource. And thanks for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. Please feel free to contact us at our new web address, dyslexicswanted.org. That's dyslexicswanted.org. We welcome guest or topic suggestions. We want to share your story. Dyslexics Wanted is a production of the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia.